0: Spreaders, welcome to the spread. I'm your host, Kaz. <music> Why has nobody ever called me out on my gender binary introductions? I just realized when I was editing this episode, this one, that I constantly say, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and like like nobody has ever called me out. Why is nobody calling me out on the fact that I am constantly like putting everybody into the gender binary box? I need you guys to be responsible a little bit for like my mishaps just come out and be like yo you are placing people into the gender binary where there's a lot of people who are listening to your podcast and they don't belong there that's your homework from now onwards like if i fuck up just go ahead and tell me i'm fucking up (sighs) i'm calling myself out (laughs) and this most recent episode the one that's just about to play uh i do do the whole hello ladies and gentlemen thing and it's going to be the last time that I play it. It's gonna be the last time that I do it. So I'm going to play it on today's episode just so that I can shame myself even further. (sighs) Terrible, terrible. Anyway, once again on the podcast today, we have my favorite guests. That's jet-setting Jasmine and King Noir. And we're discussing all things ethical non-monogamy, which is a code that we live by. It's our lifestyle, and this is kind of just a glimpse into the Pali lifestyle, or as King likes to call it, Pali Sutra lifestyle, uh, that we live and abide by, so to speak. It's an explanation of the different ways in which we interact with ethical non-monogamy. Jasmine and King came all the way to Kenya from Tampa, Florida to be guest hosts at the first ever sex positive, hey. at the first ever sex positive festival in East Africa. That is the Spread Fest, which happens every year around May. And I'm looking forward. I'm super excited about 2020's version of the Spread Fest. You guys, are, you guys don't sleep on it because our guest, Fireman man. Faya. Not joking. Our guest is Faya. Before we go on and talk all things sexy in this episode, a few house cleaning rules. Please make sure that you subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts from. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please please do us a favor. Just leave us a review, leave us five stars. This is the only thing we ask of you. It's a way of supporting us that is not financial. We're not asking you for money here. We're just asking you to leave us a review, leave five stars, and keep us at the top. I mean, that's like we're really invested in being at the top. We're doing well, so we just want to keep doing well. Just keep keeping us at the top. Second, we have The Spread life, which is our first event since the spread fest in May and it's happening on October the 25th so please go ahead and get your tickets now this is one of the smaller events there's only 100 tickets and as I read this there's only 60 tickets left there's a direct link to where you can purchase your tickets online in the description box below so please go ahead and do that okay no more jibber-jabber let's get on with the podcast this is
1: something that's right
0: Being here, thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for presenting yourselves. Thank you so much for being open to receiving. I am so happy this is the biggest audience we have ever had for the Spread Life. Uh, I am here to give myself completely. I am leaving my soul, my heart, and everything on this stage. If you see me after this, it'll be for some aftercare. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) But for now, please put your hands together for our guests, jet-setting Jasmine and King Noir! All the way from Tampa, Florida. I have to tell you guys a little background about how we met. So you know how people slide into the DM. Now, these guys slid into my DM.
2: You must sit up here and lie to these people? How you
3: gonna tell them <laughs> that mess?
2: Uh, Wind it back. Okay. Uh, it
0: is, yeah, just I just had my idea. I was looking for a reaction. Okay, so what, it was maybe three years ago before, actually a little bit over three years. Yeah, because it was before uh, I began the Spread podcast, and I was looking for people who were doing really beautiful digital content that was sex positive, but specifically people that were black, because I found that all of the podcasts that I was listening to were presented by cis white American females. And... Oh, and the thing is, like, uh, the w- the some of the content is not relatable because a lot of the content comes with a lot of entitlement and privilege that a lot of white people are not aware that they have. So I was scurrying the interwebs and looking for like black people that are doing digital content that is sex positive. And then I stumbled across uh, Jet Setting Jasmine YouTube page. And actually, I believe it wasn't the Jet Setting Jasmine YouTube page. It was Royal Fetish Radio.
2: Yeah. That sounds right. <laughs>
0: And there was a radio show that you had called The Mile High Club. Oh my god, my memory fails me 100% of the time, but except this time. Thanks memory, it must be the vodka. (laughs) So I stumbled upon the the radio show and I was just like, first of all, I have no idea what these people look like, but Jesus, if you exist, I must meet them. (laughs) And so here we are. I know, right? <laughs> and the best part about it is because I am ethically non-monogamous, I get to share these wonderful people with all of you. <laughs> and so, actually, basically the long and the short of it was that uh, I just bought myself a ticket, yes, and then I decided to go to Tampa and visit Jasmine and King. like. We'd never met before. We'd been talking online. Um, I think our first conversation was on Instagram. And then we kind of decided that there was an energy. Mm -hmm. And for you to trust that this Kenyan is flying halfway across the world and coming to sleep in your house, we'd never met. And she picked me up from the airport
2: and I slept in their house with their family. Everyone had guns (laughs) under their pillows.
3: Like a true American, (laughs) guns everywhere.
2: (laughs)
0: So that was actually it, and and from that moment, it's been wonderful. If you guys have been following me from the beginning, you know that I'm always uh, advocating for your content. I'm always pushing your content as much as I can. And for those of you who don't know, I actually uh, directed a film (laughs) that Jasmine and King did called Dreams of Somnophilia. One of our highest mm. viewed films. One of, one of their highest viewed films. <laughs> one,
3: million, one million views of the trailer on Twitter.
0: So apparently it has, say again? Over,
3: over one million views uh, on Twitter. So like the trailer on Twitter, one million views right now and climbing. Mm-hmm.
0: So just a little bit, you know, segue. No, not segue, um, digressing.
2: What is Somnophilia? So it's sleep fetish. It's when someone gets aroused by either waking, well, by either sleeping with somebody who is asleep or pretending to be asleep, or someone who gets aroused by being um, awakened, by. awakened by sex and still pretending to be asleep, at least in my case. Okay, and but <laughs> I gotta say this though, there must be consent, which is a real difficult thing. Um, everybody's like, "What? Why are you sleep?" <laughs> tell them
1: how, tell them how you think. Yeah.
2: So the way the way that we practice somnophilia is, I'll say to King, "I want you to wake me up at any time this week. Don't tell me about it. Just wake me up in my sleep to sex." So we've established consent sometime earlier in the week, and then he just surprises me. It's like <laughs> breakfast in bed. It's <laughs> a big breakfast. It is. <laughs> <She'll live. laughs> So, uh, I
0: know that uh, our video got a lot of uh, controversial comments Mm -hmm. and people, I mean the conversations around consent with uh, somnophilia as a fetish is very much spoken about because it seems like the boundaries are blurry but they're actually not. They're drawn very strongly. We have to consent. I generally like with my partners to be woken up by sex so I'll say from now until the time we are no longer together, you can wake me up at any time of sex. I, I enjoy it. So, But also, I
2: like that you set a time limit to sure. it. I feel like that's a really important thing. The sleep is a very important thing, and you don't want it always interrupted. So if I know that I'm having a chill week at work, then we can somnophilia.
0: OK. OK. Cool. So you guys, uh, find out how to find King on Twitter, because you're shadow blocked.
3: I am. I'm shadow banned on Twitter. Shadow banned? Yeah. What is that? Shadow banning is when, like, if you search my name, it, my actual profile won't show up. But there's a bunch of fake profiles that are not me that will show up. So you kind of got to find. If you go into the mentions, then you can find me.
0: Uh, could you also tell us about being banned on Tinder?
3: I was banned on Tinder because. <laughs>
2: Too many swipes, too many likes. (laughs) (laughs) I like that answer.
3: (laughs) Because I guess maybe somebody associated with what I do with a service, because I do fetish training services and things like that as well, so I think it was flagged for that.
0: Okay. But you can find him on Twitter, you can find him on Instagram, you can find him, are you guys on Facebook?
3: Yup.
0: You can find both of them on Facebook. Um, If you actually are following the spread, which is, you are, uh, if you're following the at the spread pod on Twitter, a lot of the stuff that I've been retweeting, you'll find his actual profile, so you can follow him there. Oh, oh. Y'all don't need me. Excuse me, man. Excuse me. (laughs) All right. So today, I'm actually really keen to talk about ethical non monogamy. And Jasmine and King have been guests on The Spread Life before. We've done. Oh my God. We've done three episodes. (laughs) We've done three episodes. The first episode we did was The Life, A Life in the Day of a Porn Star. If you haven't listened to it, please tune in. The second episode I did with Jasmine Alone, um, all about squirting. Mm -hmm. And the third episode we did uh, sex-positive parenting. So if you guys want to tune in, Jasmine and King are not aware, but they are my running guest hosts. Oh, cool. And this is going to be our fourth podcast episode where we'll be talking about ethical non-monogamy. So it's going to be very simple. You guys put your... Questions in this bucket, and we're gonna randomly pull out questions and we're gonna answer them. But before we get into that, I would like to talk about our personal experiences with ethical non monogamy. Maybe start by defining what it is and then talking a little bit about your own personal experiences.
3: Oh, I guess me. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Uh, Ethical non monogamy, I think. Obviously non monogamy is when you're in a relationship whether it be polyamorous um, an open relationship whether you are a swinger uh, what else am I what else am I missing Polygamy, Polygamy. polyamory I got that
0: one. monogamish
3: monogamish
2: <laughs> sexual opportunist
3: So, making sure that within that relationship, you're being ethical. I mean, even if you're uh, practicing a monogamous relationship, you should be ethical. You should be upfront and honest, not only with your partner, but with yourself. Especially when you go into something when you're dealing with non-monogamy, being honest with yourself is even that much more important. Because if you're going to say like, hey baby, let's go to the swingers club, and you are not prepared to see your lover be with somebody else, your ass ain't a swinger. So let's be real honest about it. Swinging is not just you getting some, it's both of y'all getting some, right? So when you talk about the ethics of that, also after you guys have both been with other people, not shaming your partner, not talking to your partner in some kind of disrespectful manner or way because they've actually had pleasure and you've opened that up in your relationship. Uh, Also being honest afterwards, like if there was something that happened that you were not okay with. Or if you were like, I thought I was cool with this, but I'm not, you always have to continue to check in with your partner. Same thing with from the beginning. You know, you might wanna set certain boundaries within your relationship, and whatever those boundaries are, you have to adhere to them and be respectful about them. A lot of people think that, oh, if you're non-monogamous, that means you're just out there, you can't cheat. Cheating is any time that you lie to your partner. Cheating is any time you withhold information from your partner. So that's where the ethics comes in. Are you open and honest with yourself and with your partner at all times? Anything I'm missing on that?:
2: Nope.
3: Okay. So my, my personal experience. Yeah. My personal experience, um, like I discussed a little bit earlier today, uh, I've been non-monogamous since when I first really started dating. I've never been interested in ownership of anybody outside of the BDSM experience. So within our actual relationship as human beings, I do not feel that I own my partner. I do not feel my partner owes me anything. You know, in the sense of if you meet somebody and you're interested in somebody, as long as you're upfront and honest with me about it and you want to explore with that person, as long as you're respectful to our relationship, I'm completely open about it, you know, and and okay with it and also hope that, that my partner is open with me about it as well. Um, I tried to be in a monogamous relationship later on in my life and was completely miserable. And also my partner was, because my partner, she was monogamous in her heart. And to know that I was also like, oh, I don't care that you said that this guy is attractive on television, when really she wanted me to be like, fuck that guy. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? Like It hurt her that I wasn't, loud and, and boisterous about her attraction to other people where I'll be like, yo, you might meet that guy one day, that'd be dope, like, <laughs> do you? <laughs> you know, like that really bothered her and I think that when you have someone who's monogamous and you have someone who is non-monogamous in, in their heart, it's never gonna work because both of you want something from somebody that they're not gonna give you. So I think that's another place where the ethics come in is to really work that out with somebody.
0: Thank you. Jasmine, can you share with us a little bit about your own
2: personal experiences? Sure. So I have been in um, monogamous relationships up until this point. Um, King and I have been serious for like the last, what, like eight or nine years-ish. But yeah, it's so good we don't even keep count. Um, But before that, I was in monogamous relationships and I always had a five-year shelf life it would be like right at the fourth year, I'd be like, oh gosh, I don't know if I could see this person for the rest of my life. Even if I really, really loved them, um, every relationship ended at the five-year marker. And now having a better understanding of um, the, the need for me to have choices and also the need for me to not feel that heavy pressure of being everything to a person. So um, that's a lot of pressure when you think like, I have to meet you know, his every needs. I have to be interested in what he's interested. I um, am not gonna do this because he doesn't like to do that. And that, that is how a lot of relationships tend to, to go over time until the other person's personality and identity becomes yours. And so uh, when I got into this partnership with King, I was like, whew, I don't gotta do anything I don't wanna do. <laughs> Anything I don't want to do, we can outsource it. Right? Yes. (laughs) And it was such a relief. It took a minute. It did take a lot of building my own self-confidence and knowing that um, if he was enjoying anything with anyone else. It wasn't, it didn't mean that I was insignificant or that I didn't um, I didn't fulfill him. It just meant that he was doing something with someone else which gave me time to do things with myself, which gave me time to do things with my friends, my family or whoever I was dating. So this is my first uh, alternative relationship that I've actually like committed to uh, and, and and I don't think that I am a polyamorous person because I don't have the bandwidth to love as many people as King does, I think, in in a romantic way. I, I have lots of love for my family, my friends, but when it comes to that intimate love, I, I feel like my capacity is as much as he'll take from me and, and that I can give. So um, I do respect his his wishes and desires to love other people. There are times that I'm like, you could love her i think i could love her too <laughs> and then there are there are um, other times where i just see myself as a sexual opportunist that's kind of the label that that i've applied what is that it is if there's an opportunity for me to do something that i really want to do sexually i am going to do it <laughs> that's it so that has um allowed me to have a lot of pleasure in my life And when you're with a partner that we have this ethical non-monogamy, I can say like, I've been really thinking about doing, you know, this, I want to try it out. And he fully supports me. Um, Even if he says like, do that shit, right? (laughs) And let me know how it goes. Or I want to watch you do that. Um, Or here's a scenario so that you can, you know, like delivering a scenario for me to have that opportunity. So I love the openness that we have in our relationship. And it bleeds over into really every other aspect as well.
0: That's really beautiful. Because I feel like a lot of the hindrances behind ethical non-monogamy is that people are so, I feel like people are very attached to their jealousy because they don't want to let it go. So a lot of the times, it's just like, I don't know if I could let my partner do that because I'm too jealous. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're more attached to your jealousy than you are to to your your partner partner. being Mm non-monogamous.
3: Well, uh, jealousy is a natural human emotion. Envy is when it becomes something that's gonna destroy you and destroy your relationship. You know, everybody gets jealous, and it's not always over a sexual situation, you know what I'm saying, but it's how do you say, why am I jealous of this situation? Am I jealous that she's going out and I'm sitting at home doing nothing? Is that why I'm jealous or is it really about that she's out with somebody else, right? So how do I then confront that with myself? Like, do I really wanna be out right now or am I enjoying this game and quiet time? You know what I mean? Like, you have to be honest with yourself at all times and jealousy is also something that when you confront it, it'll actually make you a better person. If you talk to your partner about it, you know what, when you went out, I was kind of like, damn, I ain't had nothing to do. So I was a little, a little jealous for a minute. But then I looked, and it wasn't you. It was me.
2: He's so quoting me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so in those kind of situations, how do you work through it? And how do you actually build it to make your relationship stronger? And then I, I also think in regards to just non-monogamy in general, being polyamorous is very different than being, being a swinger. Because for me, I might not want to have sex with you, but I might want to go out with you. I might wanna get to know you before I ever have sex with you. So that actually means something to me that's different than someone who's like, you know, I'm a swinger, I wanna go to a club, I wanna go to a party, I wanna fuck, I wanna go home and maybe never see or talk to you again. But so for, for polyamorous people, there is a part that the capacity or interest in expanding the people you know, how you know them, and how you engage with them is very important. So a lot of times people jump to the conclusion that just because a relationship is open You're just looking to fuck everybody and that's not always the case.
0: Yeah, Uh, thanks for that. Um, I was gonna say something, Jesus Lord, this brain, it dies sometimes. Maybe it wasn't that important because I can't remember. Okay, so we're gonna jump straight into your questions. Um, We're not gonna be able to answer all of the questions obviously because of time and you guys wanna see impact play. That's what I'm talking about. So we're going to do as much as we can in the time that we have. And That's it's a lot of questions. R- it is. It's so it's, we're going to have to do like random selection. And I know you guys who come for the spread before you write three questions on one sheet of paper. I see you. I see you. Okay. Have you any idea or experience of an asexual being in a polyamorous, polyamorous relationship? From personal experience, I haven't been able to have interest in relationships for a minute. Is that weird? And is there some way to break the habit? I think I've gotten too comfortable.
2: I, the first one I can take on. Um, so I do have um, a client that I do have a client that's in a polyamorous relationship, and one identifies as asexual. Uh, The neat thing about them being in a polyamorous relationship is that they can satisfy the physical aspect of sex by bringing in another partner that isn't asexual. So they're able to meet everybody's needs in the dynamic and still respect that one person isn't uh, interested in engaging in sex as the other two partners are. So it works.
3: I have a client who their partner is asexual, so they come to me for their impact play uh, and for fetish training sessions. And the partner who is asexual, I'm not in contact with, but through emails has said, I'm not interested in this aspect of my partner's life, but I do want her to be satisfied in it. So that's even how we came into contact. So really with anything, it's all about what you are capable of in that relationship, and if you are in a relationship with somebody and it works for you, sometimes it's not always, if you are asexual, the sexual aspect is not important to you, mm-hmm. but the rest of the aspect of what they do for one another is important, and if that's what you need to focus on to make your relationship blossom, then do it.
0: And I think like one point that's really important is the, and this question, this question comes up really often, is am I weird? Mm. So no, the answer is no. We are over 7 billion people in the world. None of us can be the same. And like we've had conversations about uh, porn versus reality, we expect that everybody is supposed to be sexual. We expect that everybody's supposed to have orgasms, that everybody's supposed to enjoy sex. So asexuality is a thing. There are many people who think that asexuality is a taboo. There is a taboo around it because the world is so sexualized because of the media. Mm-hmm. So people feel like it's strange not to be sexual because everything around you is so sexual. But the truth of the matter is that you are who you are. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, regardless of who you are and how you identify and however you choose to live your life if you're being safe with yourself and with other people around you, you're good. Like it's okay. Whatever it is that you are or whoever it is that you choose to be, it's okay.
2: Yes? It's okay.
0: Yes. Okay, can we? (laughs) On to the next question. Is it weird? So, no. No,
3: no. No, you're good.
0: (laughs) Is it weird that I have to think of something kinky in order to come while having sex with my partner? No.
3: No, you're perfectly okay.
2: We don't. No, next question. (laughs) No. Sour, sour.
0: <laughs> but you know what would be even kinkier? If you could invite your partner into those kinky thoughts. Mm. Yeah. Share them. Yeah. Yes. That's a prose.
2: <laughs>
0: Please, could you explain for us the different terms? Polyandry, polyamorous, swinging.
2: I think we kind of did.
0: I think we covered that. The only thing that wasn't covered was polyandry. Polyandry is a woman having multiple husbands.
3: Do that. So here's a question then. So when it's a man with many wives, um, that dates many women, they're sister wives. Would that make us brother husbands? Yes. Okay, cool. So <laughs> now we got that all term. Useful. Trademark that shit. Brother,
0: brother husbands. husbands. Brother husbands. <laughs> yes. For the polyandrous people. So the thing with the laws in Kenya also, which are very interesting. This this conversation is interesting because of that. Recently, our laws changed regarding polygamy in that, and polygamy specifically, meaning a man who has multiple wives. But you can marry multiple. If you're married to your first wife, you can marry up to four wives, but without the consent of your first wife. So you can go off and marry a second and a third and a fourth. The law allows for it. But there is a loophole. (laughs) So the thing is, if you have a traditional wedding first and then a church service second, you can marry as many wives as you want without your, wi- without your first wife's approval. Mm-hmm. Even without her knowing. You can go off and marry as many women as you want. Well, up to four. Mm-hmm. But then if you have the church wedding first and the traditional wedding second, then you're bound by the church law before you're bound by the oh. traditional law. Did I you guys th- know that? <laughs> yeah? Oh, you guys know that because I told you.
2: So. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Is the lesson here to go to the church first, ladies? The lesson here is go to church, folks. (laughs) Do you want to add anything?
0: Okay. These are three questions. What advice do you have for a polyamorous pansexual woman who wants to live openly in a conservative country like Kenya?
2: Follow her lead.
3: Are you telling her to start her own podcast?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much, yes.
0: Wow, that, that feels like, be yourself. Uh, I've said this before, Like at the end of the day, it all boils down to like just being yourself.
3: Unapologetically, yeah. be yourself unapologetically. Love yourself and be your best self. Be safe but be your best self at all times.
0: And it's not always gonna be easy, but it's so much easier to live in your truth than it is to live a lie,
2: right? Yes.
0: The second question, what are some of the preemptive ways to deal with couple privilege?
2: I don't think I understand that. If there's couple privilege, I need to use it. I
0: don't like to explain people's questions, but I feel like sometimes, for a unicorn okay. coming into a, an already established relationship, mm-hmm. maybe sometimes it, it, maybe, I hope that I'm explaining this right, but sometimes because I'm a unicorn, I can understand like maybe you two have couple privilege and I sometimes maybe feel left out.
2: Okay, I'll, I'll start. Um, I think it's important to know your role in any type of um, alternative relationship. So, if you're coming in as a unicorn, then it's important that you establish what that's going to look like for you as a couple. I think sometimes people come into these relationships with an assumption of, like, you know, ooh, I'm I'm the new fun, fun toy, attention here, um, and they haven't really established what the couple is looking for, or they haven't established openly what it is that they want out of that relationship and so i think that's how people tend to feel left out it's very similar for the partner that's in the established relationship if the unicorn and the other partner are engaging and like let's just say for example if this was a scenario here and i didn't make my needs known or the boundaries that i want for somebody entering my relationship known then we're gonna have some friction or someone is gonna feel left out or jealous. So making sure that you're communicating your needs and some couples, even if you're a unicorn, it's just not gonna be a good fit for you. And some couples have to understand that too, just because someone is offering to come into your relationship doesn't make them a good fit. Do you have an opinion about that?
3: Well, I think it's, it comes down to the same thing as being honest with yourself. When you're new into a relationship, and you engage with both with both partners. There's gonna be new things and and that you're learning about one another. So there's kind of like that, that, you know, that that new uh, vigor that you have when you first get into a relationship with somebody. Like, oh wow, you like that? I like that too. That's dope. Like, you know what I'm saying? There's gonna be this this new clicking that you're gonna have going on with each individual, and then as a threesome, right? But if you're coming into a relationship where there's already been an re- established relationship, you're talking about years. Like if we're just talking about us, for example, we have eight-ish, nine-ish years of learning one another, being comfortable with one another, fitting into that groove and, and working how we work and, and all of that, you know what I'm saying? So you have to think as a new person, where am I gonna fit in to catch that groove, right? And you're not gonna get the groove of eight or nine years in eight or nine days. And I think a lot of people who start off as the new person in a relationship, I wouldn't say that it's a couple's privilege, it's just an established relationship. And it's the same thing when you have friends. If you're the new person in a group of friends and they make a joke about some shit that happened five years ago, and you're like, what the fuck are y'all you're talking about? They're leaving me out. <laughs> yeah, they're not leaving you out, you just weren't there when it happened. you know. So it's kind of like, ask them what happened you know what I'm saying, or listen to the story, and then you'll at least understand it, but then don't try to make the joke about it like you was also there. Because then you kinda put yourself out there like, you know, like you're being phony. So I think that it's very important when you're the new person in a relationship to really just kinda, just as Jasmine said, get in where you fit in, and then shine from there.
0: Also I think there's a lot of insecurities with the unicorn, and uh, you have to be really brave to be a unicorn, <laughs> and want to be a part of a, an existing couple. And you have to be able to fight so many of your insecurities and your demons going in. That way, you don't feel like there's any kind of couple privilege, because you're secure in yourself. And you understand that it's going to take time for you to find your flow, as, a, as if it's a throuple, for example. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know the word thruple? do some of you not know the word thruple it's a relation a relationship with three people a polyamorous relationship with three people
2: you were going to say something Jasmine? just also knowing what you bring to the table all three partners you know if you bring a sense of whatever whatever it is maybe you're the person that does all the planning of the dates or you're the person that does more of the domestic things in the relationship or Whatever it is, I think everybody has their strengths that they bring into the, to a relationship. And when you can identify that, you do start to feel secure in your role.
0: Thank you. Put your hands together for that question. <laughs> Jasmine and Noir.
2: I was just like, is there Why did you block me on Instagram?
0: So it says, seeing your husband with other women and vice versa, jealousy perhaps, have you ever had drama and how do you work it out? You've already answered that. Yeah. But go ahead if you wanna.
2: No.
3: I like watching her with other people, male or female, or trans or whatever they identify as. I enjoy watching her be pleased. I enjoy watching her try new things. There's actually been one scene that Jasmine was in that I cannot watch. Pray tell. So she did this scene for this site where they do like belly punching. Yeah. And Jazz was like, I'm all into this. And I was like, I just, I can't watch somebody pretend or actually punch her in the stomach.
2: You are getting punched. Yeah, I was trying to see how strong I was. (laughs) How'd that work out? I was very strong. (laughs) My hypothesis was correct. (laughs) So, so it's a fetish, okay. um, it, it's a fetish, and it's along the lines of like tickle fetish, um, sort of where, so th- this particular scenario was, um, I d- had no idea when the punches were coming, so that anticipation of tightening your body, you know, so that it doesn't hurt. Um, of course there's a safe word, there's consent, and all of that stuff was covered but there is something very arousing about that tensing your body and then relaxing. Tensing, you know, I'm kind of clenching my vagina as I'm saying this with y'all. <laughs> Do your kegels, girl.
1: Kegel. <laughs> so,
2: um, and then for the person that, that's actually doing it, it's a power dynamic, right? You know, of like, uh, I'm gonna make her wait. does she lower her, um, her guard and then go back to it? So it's not something that I would practice in my personal life. It, it, not, nothing that I want to get booked for doing every week, but it was something to try. So if I have a client that is interested in it, I can have some type of relation to it. But he, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't film it. He wouldn't watch it. He wouldn't edit it. But no support. Like, but I was
3: no, I was like, go ahead. <laughs> do your thing. Like It just wasn't.
2: Yeah.
3: Watching her get, get hit just wasn't, wasn't for me. But I like hearing her talk about it and her explaining her experience and why she liked it but it just wasn't the one for me. I do but have that one you did with the vampire shit, that's like my go-to when I need to like knock one out I for be myself. I'm playing right
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to wake me, but I'm still get to be involved. Um, the vampire one? Have you seen that? No, you haven't yet. Okay. So, so really fast, I um, it's not about jealousy with seeing my partner with someone else. There have been times where I've watched King with someone else and I haven't been um, enthusiastic about it. I've gotten like, uh, eh, she's all right. Um, <laughs> that's a waste of a fuck. <laughs> she didn't wax. <laughs> there are other times professionally where I'm very focused on like branding and, and things are things in order? Um, did he turn his body out to the camera? Like things like that. So. Um, and that's not a very emotional attachment. I, I do prefer to see King with women of color. That is my preference. And even more so. Actually, me too. I prefer to see, when you send me your
0: stuff with white women, I'm just like, nope, stop sending it. <laughs> not interested.
2: Uh, yeah. But other than that, if, yeah, there have been times where I've kind of like zoned out because, Sometimes watching him is like watching an outer body experience, and I'm like, oh, that's how I look? (laughs) That's how that looks from that angle? Um, But otherwise, uh, I'm pretty cool watching. Yes, big round of applause for that question.
0: Oh, so big fat juicy girl wants butch girl to tongue kiss her slowly. Come find your people.
3: Meet up by the bar in five minutes. If you really bout that life, stop playing.
0: Big fat juicy girl wants butch girl to tongue kiss her slowly. Meet at the bar in five minutes. What is the best way to maintain sexual safety in a poly relationship?
2: That honesty that we talked about is incredibly important. Um, And getting tested together or, or. Continuously,
3: use protection. Mm-hmm.
2: Simple. <laughs> Same stuff as the monogamist.
0: Yes, and then we're going to do. <laughs> These are going to be our last questions because there's two of them on here. What is God's view on Polly?
2: God's view on Polly. Polly. I like it.
3: She likes it.
2: I do. There you go. God has spoken.
0: My question is on masturbation.
2: The answer is yes <laughs> to mutual masturbation.
3: That is long.
2: About that trouble. <laughs>
0: Most women can get off by inserting toys or using their fingers. But that doesn't work for me. I just press my thighs together and get stimulated. Yes. First of all, yes. Yes. My concern is that I may never achieve an orgasm through penetration because it requires one to actually open their legs.
3: Wait, from the back, you could keep your legs closed.
0: Yeah, that's true. I've tried this during masturbation, opening my legs and touching myself. It doesn't work. I can only achieve this with my legs closed. Any tips, tricks, ideas that I can try out? Lots of love.
2: That's one. (laughs) So there's a couple of things. Explaining that to your partner. You keep putting it in my mouth, King. (laughs) (laughs) Explaining that to your partner will allow them to know that when you're ready to have an orgasm, that they need to close your legs, right? So I would just replay this episode to your partner and be like, that's my question right there. (laughs) Or if you're the type of person that likes um, your partner to finish first, then maybe after your partner is finished is when you lay there with your legs closed and maybe you ask your partner to hug you or whatever it is that you like to do and then you experience your orgasm. Yeah, just like you can't have an orgasm from penetration, I can't have an orgasm from squeezing my legs. So fuck it, we're fair. (laughs) Is is that it? Just close your
0: legs?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, there are definitely a bunch of positions that you can do with your legs closed.
0: Could you show us? Which
3: one?
2: See, lay on your back and keep your legs closed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey.
0: Does that answer your question? There yes. we go. <laughs> Do you want to add something? What's up? Do you want to add something? I thought I just did. You
2: did. <laughs> I mean, um, you could add a little more. <laughs> I'm saying. No, there's. <laughs>
3: There's definitely um, more positions that you can do. You know, you could be flat, keep your legs closed in this way and enter from the back, or when he's in, close it up. Venus flytrap that shit.
0: I have one um, lying on your front or on your back, and maybe your partner doesn't have to penetrate your vagina. They could just put, they could penetrate your, like in between your thighs. That way you get your clitoral orgasm and they can just, lube up your thighs and they can just put it in your thighs. I like that. Me
2: too.
3: I'll fuck the shit out some thighs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love lube. Lord. Yes.
0: That's what go- <laughs> <laughs> So that's all we've got for you guys for today. Hey. Do you have a parting shot? Anything to do with non-monogamy, polyamory, any kind of ethical non-monogamy? Do you have a parting shot before we say goodbye to the wonderful people of The Spread Live?
3: Love is infinite. There are so many ways to fall in love, live in love, stand in love, and be in love. Don't let nobody limit the way that you love. That's it.
2: Jasmine, do you have a parting shot? Outsource anything you don't want to (laughs) do.
0: Thank you guys so much for being guests on The Spread Live. Please don't forget to follow us on everything. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, at The Spread Pod. Of course, please subscribe to our podcast episodes. We're on iTunes. If you're on iTunes, make sure you give us five stars. Leave us a review. That's how we stay. Number one in Africa. Thank you guys so much. I love you. Bye thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode as always it's such a pleasure to have you guys on here i'm creating content for you so if you want feel free to send us an email with topics or guests that you think would be really dope for the show we are host at the and please do not forget to like us on all of our social medias we are at the spread pod across the board that's right we'll see you next time
1: special so i just wanna lay down my body and just expose myself to you oh baby so lay down your body and just expose yourself to me too because i want your love will you give me love make my dream a reality